Hello, welcome to Dark Materials. I'm Faye. Hi. And I'm Rachel. Hello. This is a podcast where we're reading through and discussing Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials novels, a chapter at a time, spoiler free. In this episode, we are talking about chapter 17 of The Amber Spyglass, Oil and Lacquer. How are you? Not bad, not bad. Well, <laughs> I don't know why I'm lying, but like, I'm not. I'm a bit poorly. I've got the stomach issues. So oh I'll, uh, no, yeah. To put it mildly. <laughs> not so mild stomach issues. Who am I? Issues. <laughs> issues. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm all right. Nice. Yeah. Good. Good. It has been a while since we have recorded a book episode. What have we been up to in this in this little break? A little breakaroo. <laughs> uh, what did I get up to? I'm not really that sure. <laughs> what did I get up to? Well, for one thing, it's been Pride. It was Pride in London last weekend oh, yeah. as of us recording. <laughs> and I realised as me and Faye were on our way out to do some stuff for Pride and just go and be queer and enjoy ourselves on Pride, uh, that we had not even mentioned it once during our podcast no. <laughs> it was like two special episodes so we were distracted by how excited we were about that stuff but just in case you weren't sure happy pride to happy all pride. of you do you know what's really funny about that is that before we started recording rich was like oh like we should probably like mention pride and i was like yeah definitely and i feel like you were like teeing me up there to be like what have you been up to for me to mention pride and i was like i don't know i can't remember anything nothing <laughs> like all right i guess i'll just fucking carry this podcast shall i <laughs> <laughs> yeah we went to pride we went like right i loved the day of pride i am as the years go by as an out queer person getting more and more disdainful of actual London pride where it's just like corporation after corporation after corporation and like it's so horrifically busy and you can't move and you can't do anything that's not for me yeah the actual month-long celebration of pride within the queer community love to see that do not love the fucking high gay corporations getting involved yeah, so like we made a conscious effort to kind of avoid the main body of the march this year. We just went to like a super cute, very gay brunch at my friend's house. And then we did head into Central and me and Faye almost immediately tapped out because it was just, it was too much. And yeah, I think it's just very clear that especially the all very official Pride in London has kind of forgotten that Pride is still and should still be a protest because there is still so much shit going on and there's a, it's a march, not a parade and everyone's calling it a parade and it's like, well, that's because that's what it feels like now because all the co- corporations are like, hi, gay, and it's like, actually, yeah, there's a lot we need to kind of unpick here that is, there's a reason it started as a protest and it should still be a march and not a necessarily a parade. The whole month is about celebrating who you are and also fighting for our rights. But yeah, ah, that's a whole thing (laughs) it is a whole thing Uh, but yeah happy pride for i know we're nearly at the end of july now but for june which was pride month it's pride month the same everywhere 
And it's UK Pride Month. I think it might be different in the US. Yeah, I can't remember. I feel like we just del- like have every month is a different month as well because July is Disability Awareness Month and Disability Pride Month, um, which is obviously also something we care a lot about. So obviously happy that. But I feel like every month is everything, which is, but also, you know, for everyone that's just living it, I was like, cool, happy Pride, but also pretty much gay all year round. So like <laughs> every month is Pride Month when you're just a queer person existing in the world. Yeah, that made me laugh as well because at the beginning of that, you said every month's a different month. Every month is a different month, is it? <laughs> Until you get to the next year and then you get the same months as last year. <laughs> there you go. There you yeah. go. Every yeah. month is a different month, up to a maximum of 12. And then that's all the months. Yeah. Also, we did just want to quickly say that we are extremely aware of all the horrific shite going on in the world right now. And we are outraged as i'm sure most of the people listening to this are uh it is a horrific time to be a woman awful time to be somebody that has a womb just horrendous we could talk me and rich could do an entire podcast episode about what we think about what is happening right now yeah we've had a discussion we've decided to keep it out of the podcast because we know that a lot of you listen to this for escapism and to like limit your doom scrolling and all that kind of stuff but be aware that we are incredibly aware of it and incredibly outraged by what is happening especially in the US right now yeah we're aware we're outraged we're sad we are doing what we can in our little capacity as two human beings existing in this world to try and like fight back but there's only so much we can do. And at a certain point, we need the escapism too of being able to just have a little chat about our favourite books. And we want to do that with you in a way that feels... I mean, obviously these books tackle some heavy shit in their own way, but like very much we want to keep the two worlds a little a little bit separated for now while we can, just so that we've got a, a chill space to be existing in, which is definitely what I've needed. <laughs> it kind of catches me for a doozy sometimes when like I'm listening to a podcast I don't expect it to come up in and then I'm like oh fuck I was trying not to think about this. Yeah exactly but yeah we hope you enjoyed our two little random bonus special episodes which we basically put together because we were like we don't have the energy to do a book episode just yet so what can we do in between? Mm-hmm. It was really fun. I especially, I'm very proud of our little episode that we did where we ran all around the country to follow his dark materials panels. I thought it was great. Absolutely. And uh, it was obviously a joy to speak to Jenny Owen Young's The mm-hmm. Legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So the Legend. If herself. you haven't listened to those two episodes, highly recommend them. However, they are quite spoilery for the rest of this book. We do kind of chat very freely about everything. So be aware of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one more thing to mention is because if you are a person that is reading along with us and you haven't read the books before you probably skipped the bfi and hair festival episode and the jenny episode so you don't know unless you follow us on social media that we've got brand new t-shirts new merch new merch yeah 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 brand new t-shirts and a brand new way of shipping out those t-shirts yeah we have an alethiometer t-shirt, which is incredible and quite hard to describe. So you'll have to go and uh, have a look on our website uh, or on social media. Yeah, it's simultaneously 
the alethiometer. There's loads of references packed into it. It's kind of like geometric-y. Um, I drew a lot of it while I was sick with COVID a couple of <laughs> like a few weeks ago. Uh, and it was the thing that got me through. So yeah, it's packed full of like references to things throughout the series. You'll see references to Bear Dad, a bunch of people's demons, um, the knife, some kind of spyglass, one might ask. And perhaps we can actually talk about it after this chapter. We shall see. <laughs> uh, yeah, like lots of uh, lots of references packed into it. And then the second t-shirt that we've released is our fave little monkey prick reaching through, trying to claw between realities as like a little pocket print. And I think it's really cute, but also a little bit scary. <laughs> For sure. So we've also introduced a new shipping system, which basically means that I can do it by myself in my bedroom because uh, that's how we, we're running it. It's just the two of us here. We don't have any extra help apart from ourselves. So what we're going to do is we're going to run it on a monthly basis, which basically means that we will print and ship T-shirts in the first week of every month. So if you order your T-shirt in the first week or second week of the month, it's likely you're going to be waiting maybe like five or six weeks for your T-shirt to arrive. Whereas if you ordered it, towards the end of the month it would ship the next week i don't know if that makes sense rich is usually better at explaining it than me but i give it a go yeah so basically we want i we want to limit it so that Faye's only having to do a big old batch of packing and shipping stuff once a month and that means for example it is july right now as you're listening to it the last week of july uh, so we will collect up all of the orders that are placed throughout july and we will send that off to our printer at the in that first week of august and they will get printed and sent to Faye. He will then pack everything up individually and ship it out to you guys in that first week, week and a half of the new month. So July's orders will get shipped at the beginning of August. Anything that's ordered in August will get shipped in that first week of September and so on and so forth. And it just makes everything way easier for us to manage. And it means we can keep the shop open all year round. And the reason we do it this way as well is to keep everything as size inclusive as possible. It means that we can stock t-shirts from an XS all the way up to a 3XL which is pretty important to us, I think, to make the clothing accessible. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well done, you smashed that explanation. Boom! <laughs> yeah. And also don't forget that in the shop, we still have the two original T-shirts that we came out with at the end of last year. So the logo pocket tees and the Big C Energy tees. We also have loads of stickers and bookmarks and stuff in there too, which you might not know about, which are all designed by Rich as well, um, which are really cute. And they live in a box under my desk at the minute. So yeah. buy them so I have more storage <laughs> space. <laughs> so yeah, if you like the episode artwork, the sticker sheets that have a sticker for each each season, each book, all of the chapters, all of the episode art is collected onto one sheet for each season of the podcast. So one and two are currently available to buy. And then there's also some super cute Balloon Dad and Bear Dad stickers, which I love. Yeah. Woohoo. Mm-hmm. Woop, woop, woop. Do it. Buy some merch. Support us. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's one of the best ways to support us other than our Patreon. Um because you get some cool shit as well. I mean, you get cool shit on Patreon too. But yeah, um, buying our merch really does help. Uh, so you can find it all at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. And I did mention Patreon. We are going to do a watch along of Paddington and hopefully Paddington 2 at some point in August. So if you want to join that, it's going to be so fun. We've not done a watch along for a while, so I'm really excited about that. You can join our Patreon. If anyone is 
confused as to why we've chosen Partington. Just rewatch the scene while Will and Lyra go to the cinema in the second season of His Dark Materials. So, <laughs> yeah. So you can join our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash HTMPod. And that is also a great way to support us. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. We love our little Discord family. Our little Patreon Discord family is so lovely. We do. Hey, Faith. Hello. What would your demon have been this week? So I was thinking about this earlier and I googled uh, animals with stomach issues because oh. I've had a poorly tum-tum and uh, one came up that I thought was perfect because of our conversation with uh, Miss Jenny Owen Youngs a couple of weeks ago. Apparently golden retrievers have uh, really bad stomachs. Oh. I know Jenny went, Jenny went with a Labrador but collectively... She is known for having golden retriever energy. So I, I'm i going to go golden retriever. Nice. Great shout. Great shout. Oh, I didn't realise they had like sensitive tummies. They do, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Aww. What about you? What would your demon be? Uh, perhaps in um, stomach issues, solidarity, I will go for a hedgehog because I think hedgehogs are naturally lactose intolerant. No. It's like a thing. Don't put out bowls of milk for hedgehogs because they they can't process milk properly. It gives them tummy aches. So I'll be a, a solidarity <laughs> hedgehog. Oh, thank you. And also, I feel like a hedgehog works for me right now. Like I've been feeling pretty prickly lately, and like I also want to curl up in a ball. <laughs> fair. So yeah, that is fair. Yeah, that was quick. That was, was like boom, speedy. We did it. Smashed we have it. we have demons. Okay. Well. Should we get into this ep- this fucking chapter episode that we haven't done in fucking ages? Yeah, let's see if we remember how to podcast. <laughs> Last chapter, we spent some time with bad dad Azriel and the captured Mrs. Coulter. They argued and we were forced to endure some of the most misogynistic shit we've encountered thus far. Azriel held a council meeting and took the group, including Coulter, to see his shiny new midlife crisis car, <coughs> sorry, Intention Craft, a vehicle controlled by willpower. Coulter committed Grand Theft Intention Crafter and escaped with LMP. In this chapter, we're back with Mary and the Malefa. Mary experiments with the Malefa's tools to make a device that helps her see dust. We learn more about the Malefa's relationship with dust, or SRAF as they call it, and the Malefa give Mary a very important task. All right. Well, here we are inside the chapter. We're back with our favourite pal, Mary. Yes, we are. Would you like to guess what the little picture is? Is it? A, it's probably. It's probably not a snake because Mm-mm. there aren't any in the actual chapter. Um, is it? like mary sanding something like at hands making the thing yes it is bitch is she it? Got it yeah oh i see i see nice nice she got it she smashed it good i'm, I'm good at these things you know okay Faye. Mm. would you like to know more about the snippet that phil's picked out for the beginning of the chapter i mean I feel like I should say yes because that's what we've done so far in this book but because I've seen that it comes from Genesis and I've also heard a little bit from you about what uh, your research entailed I'm a little bit inclined to say no actually (laughs) no thank you yeah (laughs) well I'm going to tell you anyway okay so I'm sure I've said this before whenever it comes to researching a 
quote that Phil's chosen when it's from the Bible, it becomes quite hard to find like agnostic or atheist analytical uh, analysis of the text. You type in the quote into Google, you find where it's from, and then it's really hard to find anything that isn't from like a church Bible study page. Um, So I just have to go with my gut on a lot of it sometimes. And uh, basically what happened here is I was like, okay, so this quote, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made, is the beginning of the section of Genesis where we hear about, okay, let's say, what's the what's the story that you know, before that you knew of Genesis and Eve and te- the temptation in hard quotes, uh, that you knew before I kind of sent you a very angry voice note? Um that oh god this is gonna show off my non-existent bible knowledge the very basic version is that adam and eve were in the garden of eden and then eve ate an apple that she shouldn't have eaten because she got tempted by a snake and then god was like see ya (laughs) (laughs) not far off and then that her eating the apple is often referred to as like the original sin so what i did was i just kind of i took I, I mean, the Bible is obviously going to show up how fancy I am. It's very ye olde language. So I've picked um, a translation or a adaptation of it that is relatively easy to read, but is the basic gist of the story. Had to read through it and was like, oh, despite having a kind of understanding of what the story of the Garden of Eden is, the story of Adam and Eve, all this kind of stuff is, it's very retold, retold, retold. Like, for example... I love when like TV series are like, yeah, we're just going to redo it. They do it great in like Good Omens. They do it in Sabrina the Teenage Witch with the story of Eve and Lilith. They do, um, like there's, it's retold so many times. And every time it's like, oh, cool. And then she takes the apple. She forces Adam to eat the apple. Everybody's sinned now. And you get kicked out of Eden, which is a good place because cause you done sinned. Having actually, having actually just read it, just sat down and gone, okay, I'm reading what it says. I do not understand how anyone can read this and feel like God comes out on the good side. (laughs) (laughs) The quotes I'm going to pull. So that now the serpent was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field the Lord God had made um, is the very first like sentence of it. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the fruit from, you must not eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden You and you must not touch it or you will die. And the serpent says, you will surely not die. For God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the serpent's like, babe, God has been gaslighting you. 100%. You're not going to die if you touch that tree. What's going to happen is you're going to know stuff and you're going to have understanding and consciousness and like a sudden, suddenly like morality will be opened up to you as a concept. And so she's like, okay. And she has a bite and her eyes are open. She's like, oh, hey, Adam, do you want to try this? I didn't die. And he's like, what? It's good for eating. I thought I'd die. And then he eats them. <laughs> so I've gone from like kind of a quite an accurate rereading to a, to a me retelling dramatically. I prefer this version. Um, I'm just going to read the quotes that feel the quotiest, but um, some of them are really great. And also there are a few inclusions very specifically of the word dust through Genesis that I think are quite important for this as well. So I will try and read those sections verbatim. 
So uh, when the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realised they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So not only did they not realise you know, not have any understanding of knowledge or anything. They also didn't really know they were naked this whole time. I get that there's the whole thing of like, oh, and they felt shame and shame is bad. But also God's been gaslighting them about this tree. And when they eat from the tree, they realise they've been naked this whole time. And they're like, fuck. <laughs> Was this just a, a assumption of whoever, you know, uh, paraphrased these quotes from the Bible from what you're reading? Husband? Was marriage a thing? Mm, so it's a thing that Eve is made from the rib of Adam for to be his wife grim yeah so like there's that whole thing anyway like Eve didn't consent to being here or to being Adam's uh, right? wife she's just been put in this you situation know uh, <laughs> at the end of the day none of us did none of us asked to be born did we <laughs> hey t- <laughs> two people had a wild night in the 90s and now I have to pay rent <laughs> exactly exactly love you mum love you dad <laughs> so then God shows up in the garden and they're like shit we got to hide because we're naked. Uh, and they hide from him. And God's like, where are you at? And then Adam pops up because he's a little snitch. <laughs> and he's like, oh, we're here. Fucking um, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And God was like, who told you that you were naked? <laughs> Literally, that's the line. And he, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Again, very kidnappery, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... And the man said, the woman the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. So he's a, Adam's a proper little snitch. Fucking snitch. <laughs> and, um, and then God says to the woman, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So I feel like Eve is now trying to like shift the blame here a little bit. She's like, Adam done snitched on me. I'm going to snitch on the serpent. <laughs> But also, the serpent didn't deceive you. The serpent just literally told you the truth, which was, it's not going to kill you. It's just going to make you know stuff. Do you know what really, really annoys me about this particular story is that it is basically the entire reason why misogyny exists and why so many like cultures and so many countries view women as a lesser being than a man because of this fucking story is it the reason it exists or is it a tool of the patriarchy and a story written by the patriarchy to mm. rationalize downtrending women are they going oh no but we need we need a story that says why women are bad in order for us to rationalize this yeah so that's the thing it's like it's simultaneously it's becomes uh cyclical now but i feel like when it was written they were like We've got to write a story that keeps the women in line and explains why they're the cause of all our problems, you know? Yes. Written for a purpose. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're totally right. And God, it makes me so angry. It makes me so angry, so, so angry. Anyway, carry on. So then God looks at the snake and he's like, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. Interesting use of dust there, just in terms of like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. closely linking the snake with the dust. I mean, obviously 
it feels like what you're saying is you're like crawling on your belly but if you were to make it dust with a capital d and think about the serpent and dust as we understand it in his dark materials being linked that could be interesting and then god's also like i'll put i'll put enmity between you and woman between your offspring and hers um he will crush your head and you will strike his heel basically being like and people just gonna hate snakes which is you know i love snakes i think they're cute oh me too i love snakes I feel like it's really feminist to love snakes. <laughs> no, um, just now because of this story. That's why I've decided. <laughs> to the woman, he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With, the pain, uh, with pain, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Mm. Let's have a conversation about how this was a story written by the patriarchy to control women and blame them for all their own problems. I... I hate it so much. Like, I fucking hate it. I truly, truly hate it. I don't have any other words other than Mm -hmm. I fucking hate it. Mm -mm. And then to Adam, he says, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you shall return. So that's another little dusty moment there for us for like that you are dust to dust you shall return and then it says adam named his wife eve because she would become the mother of all living and again we know lyra is eve lyra is the new eve there is this original sin that's happening in the book like this is very clearly the fact that phil's chosen this for this chapter feels we know mary's playing the serpent we know that this is a story that's being retold in his dark materials and it's interesting to kind of actually analyze the full the the text as as it actually is like i hadn't ever really fully read it so angry um and then the lord god made garments of skin for adam and his wife and clothed them skin of what just skin that's Mm. fun um (laughs) uh, and said the man has now become like one of us knowing good and evil he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever so the lord god banished them from the garden of eden to work the ground from which he had been taken uh, after he drove the man out, he placed on each side of the Garden of e- Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the Tree of Life. So basically, God's like, they've had one bite of an apple. If they eat another apple, they could live forever and be as powerful as I am. So I'm going to kick them out. Uh, I gaslit them about this tree and they found out and then they ate from it. And now I'm really mad. So I'm going to kick them out because they're not good little prisoners anymore. Eve found out. Eve found and then out, Adam yeah. was a dirty little snitch. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, like, again, it's one of those things where I'm like, the way this story is told is so very, what's the word? Like, constructed, manipulative in, like, so many narratives as you see it told. It is very, like, oh, and Eve tempted Adam. She, she didn't tempt him. She literally just went, oh, this fruit that we thought we couldn't eat, it's not going to kill you. Do you want some? And he went, oh, yeah, sure. She didn't tempt him. Like, she just... And the same with the snake. The snake didn't tempt Eve. It just told Eve the truth. And what has actually happened is that God is a big, fat liar. And you can quote me on that. And I'm sorry. I feel like if anyone is listening to this and is very devout, it's is the wrong series of books to have chosen. We know this anyway. But, like, just this is real proof of it. Can the new tagline for this podcast be God's a big, fat liar? Yeah. <laughs> 
this. I just don't see how anyone can read this from the text. I'm sure it's much more happy and I don't know, like yieldy if you're reading it direct from like an older translation or whatever, but I don't see how anyone can read the basic facts facts, hilariously, of this fictional tale that are written as they are written and be like, yeah, sure, this feels like it's all her fault. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure, for sure. But anyway, that's the end of my little ranty snippet corner. Um, Hopefully it was easy to follow and, yeah, definitely go and, like, maybe reread the story for yourself, especially in terms of, like, if it is something when we get to the end of the books as well, especially knowing about this prophecy that exists about Lyra, like, and thinking about how, where the parallels lie, because obviously Phil's drawn, like, a heck of a lot of inspiration for this. And there's a reason that, like, um, the Magisterium are freaking out over the fact that Lyra's been called Eve. And it's really interesting to then actually go and read the story and be like, oh, hey, she literally just found out that she was being lied to and so did a thing that was perfectly safe and actually made her better off and more aware of the world and her surroundings because of it and now everyone's angry yeah (laughs) oh and and now we get to have period pains and be in agony in order to birth people thanks oh fucking hell (laughs) thanks for that love it when love it when uh religion blames uh the problems of uterus owners on on themselves Mm -hmm. that doesn't feel relevant at all right now (laughs) <laughs> no, no, absolutely no. not. It's all C- carrying on together <laughs> in uh, a horrendous way. <laughs> Let's get back to Mary and the Malefa because the rest of this chapter is gorgeous. <laughs> yes, I will say this chapter. It was good. Loved being with Mary. A lot of process. A lot of process of making things, which is similar to my issue with the last chapter, which was so many times we're going to be walking up and down these stairs, we're going to be walking through these corridors, and I get it. It's a, and it, this was much more enjoyable than that, don't get me wrong. But I still get a little bit bored of that kind of vibe where it's just you're stuck in one place and somebody's kind of doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, it feels like a, a mirror or a parallel for the chapter with Will fixing the knife as well in terms of like it yeah. is very much to do with the... And it is... I get why Phil has paid so much attention to the crafting of objects, especially in terms of how that relates to as we see more so now that in this chapter Mary learns how to see dust or finds a way to see dust but like and how that links into literally the matter of what he's talking about with dust in terms of like something that is handcrafted and has been worked on by an intelligent conscious being attracts more dust than something that hasn't And so therefore having such an attention to detail of processes and of that crafting process makes sense for Phil as a writer and for like the world. But at the same time, it can be repetitive to read. (laughs) It for sure makes sense. And I totally understand why he did it. But then I was thinking to myself earlier when I was making my notes, God, this book could have been so much shorter. Yeah. But I did enjoy this chapter. Um, I just, yeah. I think I read each chapter um, twice as well. It's kind of like, do you know, when you're reading the process again and again. You feel like it's gone on forever. <laughs> yeah. So we open the chapter with Mary. Mary Malone was constructing a mirror. I don't see why Phil's felt the need to tell us that it's not out of vanity, for she had little of that, because we already know Mary's a babe. And if she wants to be vain, she can be, because she's probably hot. But 
Yeah. It just feels weird to point out. If Asriel was making a mirror, I don't think Phil would feel the need to tell us that it wasn't out of vanity. Literally have that note where it feels just on the edge of being a bit sexist. Yeah. It's just like, no, but but Mary's Mary's a good woman because she's not vain. She's not vain. There's nothing wrong with being vain. Like, I really hate the, like, assumption. And again, it's fucking patriarchy vibes, isn't it? The assumption that being vain is a bad thing. Like, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think, like, anything, it can be taken to an extreme. But vanity in itself is not a bad thing at all. Why is it a bad thing to care about what you look like? There's a difference between between being vain or being, like concerned about your appearances and being uh like self-absorbed to the detriment of the people around you and that's that i feel like they're different things because there's the there's the you know you know the legend of narcissus you it's the maybe i want to say greek is that the where the word narcissist comes from yes it's where the word narcissist comes from so this is the thing like that's taking vanity to the degree that's where the word narcissist comes from is like becoming entirely self-absorbed and therefore to the detriment of those around you. But uh, the whole thing with Narcissus is he became so obsessed with his appearance that he um, would always be distracted by looking in the mirror, looking in the mirror. Looking... And then the there's like a really beautiful painting that's about this. I think it might just be called Narcissus or Narcissus in the water or something. Um, and it's, he gets turned into a flower by the gods because he spends his whole time and it's the painting is a really beautiful painting of a flower like leaning over, pointed at a still pool of water. Um, and that's the whole thing of just being so self-absorbed. And then, yeah, he he, he turns into a flower because he's so obsessed with his reflection. They're like, well, if you want to be beautiful forever, just be a flower. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a punishment? I'd quite like to be a flower. There's a Caravaggio painting of Narcissus where he's uh, like leaning over and staring into the water. And it's quite a cool looking painting i think there's is there a salvador dali narcissus painting yes so the dali one is um there's like a flower and an egg situation that's like and reflections in water that that's a that's a narcissus about narcissus as well metamorphosis of narcissus that's what i was thinking of don't know why that feels super relevant but yeah Mary is not in danger of being narcissist, but also being vain is fine. You can care about what you look like. You can't want to feel pretty. It's fine. And also, if you don't care, you don't care. That's also fine. It just shouldn't be a judgment. Stop being judgy, Phil. <laughs> yeah. So we learn that the Milafa don't use metal, not for tool making anyway, and uh, that they kind of have like wedding rings. They yeah. use like copper rings around their uh, around their horn- antlers, horns, what does mm, it say? Horns. horns. Yeah, to show that they're married i suppose i don't know if they would use the word marriage but uh very similar to our marriage very cute yeah yeah mary's kind of like she's interested in shadows again she's getting a sense that she needs to be trying to resume her research which is why she's entering into this process but is having to do it with malefa tools which turn out to be very much organic tools and not the things that she's used to they are absolutely obsessed because they don't have access to metal tools or they have a completely different way of working. They're obsessed with Mary's Swiss army knife, which I love. Again, more hinting to Mary being a very practical, outdoorsy queer. That's what I'm saying. She's here. She's got her backpack. She's got her Birkenstocks. She's got her Swiss army knife. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Zalif, the, the, the Zalif who, Atal, who is her particular friend. Again. And I'd like to point out, Multiple uses of particular friend throughout this. Yes. Interestingly. <laughs> yeah, Atal is very into the magnifying glass, into the Swiss Army knife. Mary's showing it to her. 
find that she's got like a magnifying glass on it, which I have never seen before in a Swiss Army knife. Like, how would that fit into the... I can't say I've seen that many Swiss Army knives. Oh, okay. I I love a utility tool. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> uh, and so it's, I got like quite a cool one for going camping um, that's got like, it's got a knife on it that has a saw section on it. And then like you can fold it out and it's pliers. And then there's also tweezers in it. And like, I love things like that that are like, it, it's, a ga- it's a gadget. Makes you feel like Inspector Gadget. Um, but I've never seen one with a magnifying glass before. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. But Mary's using that to burn some shapes into a bit of uh, branch or driftwood. And it gets her thinking about the, uh, I think probably particularly about like the carved ivory tusk, that, if you remember that mentioned in the last book. Yeah. Um, and about the way that the dust was acting around that as compared to other objects and thinking about, again, the thing that we were just chatting about, the nature of like dust being attracted to objects that have been crafted. And Atal asks her, what's she dreaming about? What, what are you thinking about, Mary? <laughs> it's really cute. I think that um, this is a good chapter to kind of really hammer home what dust is because dust is very confusing Mm -hmm. throughout these entire books and I think like this is a very good chapter to remind us exactly what it is and how it acts around like certain beings and certain objects yeah and especially this is we're not there just yet in the chapter but this is the first chapter we get a visual description of dust that is uh in the moment and isn't like a photograph of it yeah and i really like that she tells atal about like all her work back home in the lab etc and it turns out that the molefa already have a word for dust and it's sraf 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 yes i mean mary's gonna struggle to pronounce it and so are we but yeah how it ends up being written for the rest of the the this chapter is sraf s-r-a-f basically Atal says, yes, all the Malefa have this, you have too. That is how we knew you were like us and not like the Grazers who don't have it. Even though you look so bizarre and horrible, you are like us because you have Sra. Sick burn. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> sick sly, burn. A sly roasting <laughs> yeah. snuck in there. Yeah. <laughs> Even though you're so bizarre and horrible. It's a good thing she isn't vain. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? It's interesting. This is the first, I think, we hear that the Malefa can just naturally see it. And I think that's really sparked something for Mary. Like she um, has been thinking about finding ways to see it and then she just finds out they can, they just can. That's how they knew things about her. That's how they knew she's different from the Grazers. Like, I just think it's really cool that it's like, that's just naturally, well, or not so naturally imbued in them. Yeah, because we learn that it comes from the trees and the oil. We learn a little bit more about that later. And then we have... A little bit more. It's kind of like very. Remember, <laughs> remember when uh, when we we looked at shadows on the computer. It's a remember when Lyra? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't forget these things are connected. So don't don't forget that dust is a thing that is attracted to objects that people have worked on, but also that there's that connection to do with growing up and children and how this is a coming of age story. Don't forget Bolvanger. <laughs> don't don't forget the things that Lyra mentioned. Don't forget the spectres. <laughs> so we then get another like callback to when Oliver Payne discovered that around 30,000 years ago, there was a big increase in the number of shadow particles that could be found. And then Mary asks Atal how long the, have there been Malefa? And she says, 33,000 years. 
So it's very interesting. It's very interesting, but I, as like an ever so slight sci-fi nerd, find it really annoying that the Malefa measure their time in years. How how are their units of measurement comparable to our units of measurement? Like, I would be more satisfied if she was like X amount of generations. Or like, how do you know their counting system is the same? Like, I guess Mary's learned a lot about them by now. Maybe she can like translate it and her translation comes to 30,000 years. But it annoyed me that it's just like, yep, just this number that's convenient. As opposed to being like, we don't know the Malefa's calendar systems. Like, if they're in a different world, is their like solar system different to us? What if their days are longer than ours or shorter than ours and therefore a year in their life is actually like... <sighs> It annoys me a little bit. <laughs> I didn't think about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. True. Very true. There's a great little um, thing here that, again, kind of harks back to the quote that we had. It was connected to what the shadows had said to her on the computer screen just before she left her own world. Whatever it was, this question, it had to do with the great change in human history symbolised by the story of Adam and Eve with the temptation, the fall, original sin... In his investigations into fossils and skulls, Oliver Payne had discovered that around 30,000 years ago, a great increase had taken place in the number of shadow particles associated with human remains. But it's interesting that uh, the temptation is capital T, the fall is capital F, original sin, capital O, capital S, very, like, official. Um, And again, that, like, the story that we just spoke about at the beginning of the podcast is what Mary's referring to here, this moment as described this change and we're going to see that the Malefa have their own version of it which is way nicer yes yes we learn more here about the Malefa they say uh, Atal says ever since we've had the Sraf we've had memory and wakefulness before that we knew nothing uh, we discovered how to use the wheels and then we get a story about a creature who found found them and there was a little serpent that said hey girl why don't you try this on for size? <laughs> they have like their own Eve story, but it's a it's like the positive version that I wish we did have that was like, and then she saw that if she did this, she could understand so much more. And that was the birth of our civilization and our understanding of how we exist as conscious beings. And isn't that beautiful? As opposed to she bad, she make man do bad. <laughs> and it was like, fucking hell. <laughs> um, so I love that this, the like joyfulness of this story um, that Atal tells of the first Malefa to use a wheel is like, yeah, it's so much more joyful and like a celebration than um, than anything to do with sin. Like this is, we kind of understand from where we're going with this that like the Malefa are a society that celebrate dust and like embrace it, which is very much the polar opposite of Lyra's world with the idea of dust being sin. Also, the amount that it's about play, which I really like, because, like, the first Malefa that discovers the seed pod and she's playing, and then Mary, when she's kind of working on the object that she makes, is kind of very much trying to keep herself in a state of play as opposed to work, um, which is really interesting. I had a note about that, and I completely agree with it when Mary says something like, and I know, like, she thinks to herself, like, she knows that she just has to basically mess around with it until stuff falls into place and not put too much pressure on it. And obviously it's really difficult not to do that, but I always find that 
that's the best way to like work that's when the best like ideas come to you and like when you're just like fucking around or when you're actually just letting your mind relax and you're not like fucking stressing about everything which is very hard not to do in the fucking this day and age but literally i just had a week of like sculpting stuff and i've probably done some new designs that I'm the most excited I've been about a lot of things, but it's because I was just sat there and I was like, I don't know what to do this week. I'll just get, I'll just play with clay. And it's like, that's something so like intrinsically human about it as well. Of just like, here's a thing, give somebody like a anything and put it in front of them and they will probably find a way to play with it, to do something with it that is entertaining, creative, whatever. Also, during the story that uh, Atal tells, she says she, and then Mary's like kind of surprised at that. She's like, she? And then I wonder, is that because she's immediately drawing the comparison between the like Adam and Eve story? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I wonder if Mary's like, oh, that's surprising because in our creation myths or in our creation story, everything always talks about Adam being first, man being first. So like, it's nice. <laughs> maybe she's like, that's nice. <laughs> or maybe she's just immediately like, oh, this is the Eve story for them. Like, this is it. And that's important. I just reread my note, actually, and it says, basically, this is a parallel of all our Bible story, but without all the shame, <laughs> which is essentially what it is. Yeah. Yeah, basically. A non-judgmental version of us. <laughs> so then Mary has a thought that she wants making the mirror out of the sap lacquer, that it she might be able to see dust if it's polarised. So she's like, I'm going to make this. Mm-hmm. And then this is where we kind of get into her making it, really. Yeah, so the uh yeah, the sap like so there seems to that I, I enjoy the trend that Phil seems to have here of like in order to do this craft you will need to find some kind of master of the craft, some kind of craftsperson to help and guide you. And I love that so that's very much Will with the knife, um, and getting Yorick to show him blacksmithing and to like guide them through the process of fixing the knife and to fix the knife for them. And then um th- I feel like this happens here because like Mary uh forms a friendship with the like craftsperson of the Malefa, the like the guy in charge of the boat building or the lacquering process. And I kind of love that for her that she gets to have like a master craftsperson guiding her, but also that's like interested by her and finding her like fresh eyes to his craft, an exciting prospect, which I think is really cute. Um she notices, yeah, there's like the polarizing property to the lacquer and she compares it to a mineral called Iceland Spa which is an actual thing that we have in our world which makes sense because Mary's from our world and that um is often used in like quite often when you're learning about light refraction at school they'll use Iceland Spa or prisms and like Iceland Iceland Spa has like prismy properties to it which is where when yeah when you look through it the image is like slightly doubled and overlapped and that is a lot of the ways that you get taught in school about like how light is actually in waves and refraction and reflection and all that kind of stuff. So I, I love that little little bit of school for everybody. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, and then we get just more of the process and I'm probably not the best person to talk about it. So Rich, if you have anything to say about how it's actually made and you want to talk about it, then go for it. Although the only thing that I had to say was that there's a whole there's a whole day of polishing that I would not be into. You know what? What is my note on this? Let's see. It is very much Mary learns that sanding and polishing is boring. Welcome to model making, Mary. (laughs) Because 
so much of my life, even now, even when I try and make it so I don't have to sand and polish things wherever possible, so much of my life as a prop maker was sitting and sanding something. And the thing with sanding is, and Mary doesn't even have the tools to do it well, it is boring as fuck and you can't skip steps. So like you start with like a coarse sandpaper to get like the initial smoothness of a thing down and then you work finer and finer and finer grits until eventually you're like using like wet and dry sandpaper or like it goes from like 80 grit which is really coarse it's like literally like sandstone which is what Mary's using down to like um 2000 3000 grit which is like uh it basically feels like you're touching a normal piece of paper like it's not it doesn't even feel like there's any abrasion there and that's what you're doing like the last stage with and that's how you get something to actually be and then you you polish it with fabric and you polish it that's how you actually get something to be shiny like I spent three days polishing like a piece of perspex one time for work and I wanted to die (laughs) the way I got through it was with podcasts Mary doesn't have podcasts she just gets to sit there and let her mind wonder as she's doing this process and like process can be satisfying but it can also be soul crushing and I'm glad for Mary here that she is able to let her mind wonder and I think that that's probably what is a like the literally a massive part of the process like letting your mind wonder as you are creative and as you are doing process and crafting and being productive is part of what attracts the dust and also the fact that she's like taking a break as well like the next day she doesn't work on it until like the evening she helps the Malefa with their like whatever they're doing with their like plants and shit yeah like I love that it's like um very much it seems like a meditative thing the way she's working on it but yeah and that but there's also not getting in the way of she's still prioritizing her relationship with the Malefa community over the work which I think is really important to like Records because she could become absorbed in it, become like an obsessive scientist working on her project and ignore everyone else. But she's not. She's still being like an active participant in the with the Malefa. Yeah, and she yeah. So she paints the layers on, and again, literally watching paint dry. So boring until she gets like more than sort of forty layers thick, and she's got like a five mil thing of um this like amber seeming thing on the wood and she realizes she can't really see it's not she's made it shiny but it's not like enough to like see what she wants to see and i recognize this moment so hard when you've reached like the night you're in like 95 percent finished on the project that you were doing and then you look at it and you go i've been doing the wrong project and i need to (laughs) like completely obliterate 50% 50% of what I've done in order to actually do what I wanted to do. And that's what that's Mary realising she needs to cut the wood away from the back of the lacquer to give her a lens instead of a mirror. Um, and the devastating feeling when you're like, I worked really hard on this and I don't want to fuck it up because it's some, it is a thing that is 95% finished and is what I started out to do. But I was going in the wrong direction and now I need to potentially fuck up 100% of the work that I've done so far in order to maybe do something better. That was what caused me to have many a breakdown in my final year at uni. <laughs> you're like almost finished on a sculpt and someone goes, yeah, but like the anatomy on that is completely fucked. You have to restart. And you're like, but I was doing skin detailing. <laughs> like it, it's, I'm sure a lot of craftspeople resonate with that feeling. Um, and so she's like, goes again, goes through this process. She realizes she's got to like take all the wood off the back of this mirror thing. She's managed to get most of it off. And then the 
her Malefa craftsperson friend shows her a liquid that she could put on that will eat through any wood in a few hours. And it says to Mary, it smells like acid. And what I also would add in there is, and Mary thought, fuck, I wish you'd told me about this before I started spending hours meticulously removing this wood. And I could have just dropped it in a bowl three hours ago. Mary was left with a single sheet of clear brownish yellow lacquer about the size of a page from a paperback book, which I love is a thing that is currently written in a paperback book that I'm holding because what a great size reference to give somebody as they're reading a book. Perfectly thought out there. Um, And she looks through it and nothing in particular seems to happen. It's clear, but it kind of has the same property as that stone like it's a slight a slight double vision situation through it she's like okay well one layer isn't enough maybe i should have done it thicker i'll split it in half and add and you know do two lenses because we know that playing around with lenses at different distances can do fun stuff with light and so she again uses the knife she scores it she splits it and she's holding it and looking through the amber through the amber colour and realises it's darker. The, 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 the what? The, <laughs> she's looking through the, the amber lenses of amber that she she done made and realises when she gets it to about a hand span apart, the like sepia filter kind of that she's been looking through seems to disappear and it just looks like you're looking through any old glasses lens. It's clear now, but she can't see it. She still can't see anything like fun or shadow particularly. And then Atal comes along for a chat, which I love. This is like interesting because this is clearly a front from Atal because we learn later that like Atal, they're just waiting for Mary to make this discovery and Atal's like, oh, will you like clean my like hooves and my wheels for me please oops you've got oil on your hand where are you going to put that hand now (laughs) I don't think Atal necessarily knows I mean maybe she does I think so you think she knows I I don't think she does I feel like it's just I don't know I feel like it's just one of those things that's just like right like for anyone else it might not have happened if that makes sense I think that they know that Mary needs the oil to see properly and yeah I think that I don't think that like Atal would push it I think the way that she does it is very subtle. Yeah. But I think that they're, they're all waiting for her to make this discovery. They're obviously going to push her, nudge her in the right direction where they can. Yeah. I mean, Atal does actually, if we're thinking about it, Mary's being quite dense here because Atal is literally like, and the oil entered her foot and made her see more clearly than before when she's talking about like their Eve story. Um, so yeah, Atal yeah, has yeah. literally said the oil is the key. And Mary has not picked that up. And then she's like, clean my claws. So I, I, I actually, maybe I am on board with you. Because I felt like it was just like, oh, it's a perfect coincidence. What a beautiful scientific discovery Mary's made by coincidence. And Atal's like, ha Yeah, I think the way that Atal later says, so at last you can see, well, now you must come with me a few pages ahead. That made me think, like the way that she said that, just made me think, oh yeah, yeah, she, they've been they've been waiting for this. Mm. That's true. They are going to nudge her in the right direction. I yeah, I still I still can't tell because I feel like surely Mary wouldn't object if Atal went. Oh well, our belief system is that the it is, and we understand it to be the oil that helps us. Perhaps you should try using the oil i feel like mary would be like absolutely yeah sure let's have a go i don't think it's about mary objecting i think that she had to i think there's something there's some reason why she had to find out herself 
yeah why she had to do it for herself i don't think it's about her objecting to the knowledge because i th- i agree with you i think she'd be straight on it i think there's something here about her finding out herself and doing it for herself yeah interesting then we get a fun little description of how mary and atal are just gals who are pals mm-hmm. uh, and <laughs> really love having like girls night ins where they'll atal will do mary's hair and mary will polish atal's claws and it's just really cute okay <laughs> just gals being pals they're just gals being pals <laughs> Sometimes the Malefa would groom each other's claws out of pure sociability, and once or twice Atal had invited Mary to attend to hers. Mary in turn let Atal tidy her hair, enjoying how the soft trunk lifted it and let it fall, stroking and massaging her scalp. She sensed that Atal wanted this now, so she put down the two pieces of lacquer and ran her hands over the astonishing smoothness of Atal's claws. That surface smoother and slicker than Teflon that rested on the lower rim of the central hole and served as a bearing when the wheel turned. The contours matched exactly, of course, and as Mary ran her hands around the inside of the wheel, she could feel no difference in the texture. It was as if the Malefa and Seed Pod really were one creature, uh, which by a miracle could disassemble itself and put itself back together again. Atal was soothed, and so was Mary, by this contact. Her friend was young and unmarried. <laughs> this is the thing. Like, I have a note here, which is like, her friend was young and unmarried, you say? Hmm, what an interesting thing to bring up after all this intimacy, Phil. Yeah, it's very like, it's like, oh, Mary's making a scientific observation about these claws and stuff, but they're just sat there do- basically doing each other's hair. And then it's very much mentioned that Atal is young and unmarried and that there are no sim- simply no males around for her to choose from. What a shame. Yeah. <laughs> She, she'd have to marry someone from outside, but the contact wasn't easy. Looks like she's just going to have to be a spinster. You know, maybe she'll go and live with her good friend, Mary, in that house on the hill. Mm-hmm. And everyone will think they're sisters, but they're not. So Atal leaves. And then this is where Mary makes the discovery. And then my note is this has to be a plan from Atal, right? Yeah, I just think it's very much... Uh, yeah yeah maybe there's something really important to do with straff and to do with dust and that moment of discovery that like aha moment that needs to happen or that's prophesied to happen because it does seem like something like that also like she asks she asks atal to come back so that she can take some oil and i just have issue with this line um atal willingly let let her run her fingers around the wheel holes again Come on, Phil. Come on, (laughs) Phil. Oh, God. She rubs the oil on the glass and then she holds them apart again. And now she can see. She can see. She can see dust. I also, I feel like, is it a coincidence that it's, is it a handspan just a convenient unit, unit of measurement to mention in a book? Or is it something to do with the relationship between dust and humans or dust and malefa that is the fact that it's a hand span apart that's the perfect distance to see the things clearly is like that also feels like inter- the interconnectedness of things yeah could be yeah she can, she can see it do you want to describe our first ever in motion visual depiction of dust <laughs> and when she looked through everything was changed she could see shadows if she'd been in the Jordan College retiring room when Lord Azrael had projected the photograms he'd made with the special emulsion, she would have recognised the effect. 
Everywhere she looked, she could see gold, just as Atal had described it. Sparkles of light, flirting and drifting, and sometimes moving in a current of purpose. Among it all was the world she could see with the naked eye, the grass, the river, the trees. But wherever she saw a conscious being, one of the Malefa, the light was thicker and more full of movement. It didn't obscure their ships in any way. If anything, it made them clearer. Yeah, very cool. I'd just like to say, if I had glasses that could make me see dust, I wouldn't be able to wear them. I wouldn't be able to exist in the world with that much additional information occurring. Like, I'm already easily distracted. And if when I was speaking to somebody, currents of their purpose and intention and stuff was, like, swirling around them as they were moving, I I wouldn't be able to do it. I'd just be, it'd be too much, like, visual processing for me. I just wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> We uh we see we see here as well that it looks different around children as we already know. Um, we can see that that uh, Mary can see that there's a golden haze around the child, also around the shelters, fishing nets, and evening fire. Anything that someone with conscious thought has touched or made. And with the child, it says unlike theirs, it was full of little swirling currents of intention that eddied and broke off and drifted about to disappear as new ones were born. Which I love that. I love that, especially after having the description of how the child is moving, like playing in the long grass, leaping over the uh, leaping after grasshoppers, suddenly stopping to examine a leaf, falling over, scrambling up to tell his mum something, being distracted again by a piece of stick, trying to pick it up, finding ants on his trunk, all this kind of stuff that is like the distractibility of a child and the like lack of intention of a child, and then that that being reflected in the way the dust acts around them, and then. Around his mother, on the other hand, the golden sparkles were much stronger, and the currents, um, and the currents they moved in more settled and powerful. She was preparing food, spreading flour on a fat, flat stone, making thin bread-like chapatis or tortillas. Watching her child at the same time, and the shadows or the sraf or the dust that bathed her looked like the very image of responsibility and wise care. Lovely combinations of descriptions here that really help us to visualize and understand just even better and then this is where atal says so at last you see well now you must come with me like a little poem they go to this like kind of kind of sounds like a bit of a like stagey kind of vibe area with like there's lots of other malefa there they're all gathering round mary's like what the fuck is going on this all seems very planned and there's somebody there called satamax which is a fucking great name mm, mm-hmm it makes me think of Sophonax, which is Fardacorum's demon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Satamax, Sophonax. I reckon they'd be friends. Yeah. And uh, this Malefa is really old. Uh, it looks like he has arthritis. He's got white hair coming out of his trunk. And he's got lots and lots and lots of dust around him. So respect, Satamax. He gives a little speech. Basically, it's a whole thing about how they're grateful for Mary being there, how they're grateful for them, uh, for her helping them, about how now she can see dust, so that means that she's ready to learn more about what she's got to do to help them. And then Mary gives, like, a little speech. She's like, uh, hi, thanks for nominating me. Um, yeah. I don't really know why I'm here, but, like, you're nice, so I'll do whatever I can to help. Uh, <laughs> very, like... I don't know what the fuck's going on, but I'll say something <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> yeah. And then just not to put any pressure on it or anything, not to like <laughs> lay the weight of the world on Mary's shoulders. Just not, 
not not like putting an entire civilization on Mary's back or anything at all, but you know, uh, they do say, we hope you will be able to help us. If not, I cannot see how we will survive. The Tualapi will kill us all. And Mary's probably like, what these great big fucking massive birds? Those massive dickhead birds that are ma- intimidating and horrible. You want me to get rid of them? <laughs> I'd be like, absolutely not. <laughs> Yeah, goodbye. The other thing is that obviously they say that like the sea, uh, the the trees are starting to sicken and die, and you know they're going to run out of oil at some point. And I was wondering if they run out of oil, do they just like go back to being grazers? Maybe, maybe. I find it interesting. So the um, old Malefus says again, not me being annoyed that they talk about years as if they are a universal concept that is the same for every society but whatever um they talk about for thirty-three thousand years there have been malefa and we've taken uh, taken care of everything and everything's been balanced and we've prospered etc etc but 300 years ago the trees began to sicken what happened 300 years ago the knife the knife was made 300 years Ah, ago and we know that from the subtle knife but it has not been mentioned in this book so far so only if you have read them enough times and or, or or are podcasting about it might you remember that that number feels significant nice nice i did not remember that i was like was it the astral explosion but that wasn't 300 years ago that was like no. last week it was well we don't know that it was necessarily the knife but it's 300 years ago is when the number of specters increased dramatically um but i think that coincides with the production of the knife again she's not read these in quite a while so i might be wrong i can't remember if we make that link down the line or what but something to do with inspectors definitely it's interesting that um mary's the first other creature that they've seen apart from themselves that also attracts dust and has dust around yeah. her well i wonder if the two are lappy they're not conscious though are they they don't talk they don't create things like they do they're just like animals doing their animal things but then they're like malicious pricks of animals so i feel like there should be there is some intention behind them right or not some animals are like that though like some it's like destructive and like also like marking your territory and stuff like that yeah that's true and i i think it specifically described them as like animals and it made it very clear that there was a definite difference between the malefa and the tuilapi so i think they're just twats but like naturally twats and not like Natural twat. <laughs> just <laughs> bad name. Bad name. <laughs> that feels like a really weird. Yeah, but yeah, they're. Um, what kind of music would natural twats play? I feel like either really hippie or like really aggressive punk rock. I was literally just gonna say like really aggressive punk rock. Yeah, I think that's got. It's got to be that. Or it'd be like the um, branded, like sponsored by Goop. By Gwyneth Paltrow. Although the, the the last thing she wants is for anyone to have a natural twat because yes. she's all about steaming him. So <laughs> true, true that. Right, off topic. So what a bloody burden to place yeah. on Mary. Also, again, not me bringing up the fucking years thing, but they they literally talk about the Malefa say like how our rhythm is slow, our like natural state of being is slow and considered and. This has been happening for 300 years, but we've just not gotten round to it yet, you know? <laughs> that feels like the vibe. Um, but then you came along and you're really fast. And I love this. Um, they say, to be sure it was slow, 
but so is the rhythm of our lives. We did not know that until you came. We've seen butterflies and birds, but they have no seraph. You do, strange as as you seem, another subtle burn. Um, You do, strange as you seem, but you're swift and immediate like birds, like butterflies. You realise there is a need for something to help you see seraph and instantly out of all the materials we have have known for thousands of years you put together an instrument to do so beside us you think and act with the speed of a bird that's how it seems which is how we know that our rhythm seems slow to you but that fact is our hope you can see things that we cannot you can see connections and possibilities and alternatives that are invisible to us just as seraph was invisible to you and while we cannot see a way to survive we hope that you may. We hope that you will go swiftly to the cause of the tree's sickness and find a cure. We hope that you will invent a means of dealing with the Tuolapi, who are so numerous and so powerful. And we hope you can do so soon or we shall all die. No pressure. Thanks, babes. <laughs> no props. I love how Mary, her first thought is like, me fast? Me, me swift? A oh bird? my god, a butterfly? Me? me? <laughs> I love that. I love that. She's not vain, but if you're going to compare her to a super speedy little bird friend, she will take it. <laughs> I honestly also love how like Mary's immediate response to this is obviously she's like fuck, but then she's like okay, she's like I've got to do it. Like they're expecting it of me. I would be like, I'd fucking leg it in the other direction. I'd be Peace like, out. I can't do. It. I can't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but I cannot do this. But like, she's just so immediately like, yeah, I have to do this. Like, this is something that I've got to do. I'll do my best. And it's like, God fucking hell, what a fucking burden to like put on someone. Because it's not just like one way that they're gonna die. It's two ways that they're gonna die. Yeah. And she has to solve both of them. So unless you solve both of our problems, we'll either die quick or we'll die slow. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. That is, it is literally like the weight of the world. Mary has essentially just been nominated to be a chosen one. She's literally trying to fend off a Malefa apocalypse, pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, okay, I guess, I guess we've got another chosen girl in the uh, in the His Dark Material series. <laughs> Will's been chosen, Lyra's been chosen, and now Mary's been nominated at the very least. <laughs> Um, and has accepted and therefore is chosen and she yeah she's very much just like yeah sure okay I'll do it you've been nice to me I'll try and help you as best I can and it's like fair but I would be absolutely loading that with caveats of like I can promise you I will try I cannot promise you I will succeed (laughs) like this is too much pressure yeah and then we move on and we're with Father Gomez and I really don't want to spend too much time Ew. on this because I fucking hate him. I know. And That's I can sense that note. we've probably like, got a... <laughs> Yeah. I can sense that we've probably got a full Gomez chapter coming up pretty soonish. So I don't want to spend too much time on this. Basically, he's hunting Mary and he's trying to find her and he's not in any rush to do so. Mm-hmm. He's not in a rush, but we know how close he is based on the fact that he's found the farmhouse with the old man and the woman and their goat's cheese, who we also suspect that... So we know that Mary passed through that way. Do we remember if Will and Lyra passed through that way? I can't remember. I don't think so. Oh, I Actually, I have no idea. Don't know. I haven't got a fucking clue. Yeah. But, um, yeah, this couple, they're going to be like the... Um, what is in the Bible story? Is it the shepherds? Is it someone? You know what the like? It was like the innkeeper vibe of just like we're just here, we're just existing, and all these like mythical historical people involved in this epic epic battle keep like passing through and buying our cheese. Um, <laughs> we're just here, you know, which I like. 
It gives me um, it gives me vibes of in the Disney film Hercules, his like uh, mortal mum and dad. Yeah, we're just here. <laughs> we just yeah, we're here. Just gonna carry on being farmers. It'll we're be around. Fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that is the end of that chapter. I'm really mad that it finished on Father Gomez. Why couldn't we? F- I mean, yeah, me too. Yeah. Like, I get it. We need to know that, like, there's an extra crunch on Mary's time, and that is that Father Gomez is yeah, yeah, yeah. on his way. But also, can we just let Mary have her Malefa chapter and not throw a horrible man in there? <laughs> Agreed. Do you have an award to give out? My award this week is for Mary's friend, the craft man, that helped her with all of her, or the craft malefa, because I guess he's not a man, he's a malefa. Uh, he's, uh, yeah, the craft zalif who helped with all the all the stuff. Everybody needs a workshop technician, and that's what he was. The way, the, like, the cadence and intonation of the way that you said that, I honestly thought you were going to say, everybody needs a bosom for a pillar, like that song, can you remember? <laughs> everybody needs a workshop technician. I don't think it works. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what about you? Who's your award for? Uh, mine is going to be for Atal, just for the fact that, obviously, in my opinion, she very gently, gently, and, like, lovingly nudged Mary towards where she needed to be but with that very subtly um and I think she did a very good job of doing that yeah I definitely this is this is your call to tweet to email to whatever let us know what you think about that interaction because it wasn't until Faye kind of pointed out this in this conversation right here that I had ever thought about it not being like a an, an aha scientific coincidence moment you know I thought it was an Isaac Newton apple falling from the tree and theorising about gravity. Like, I thought it was that kind of moment. But if it is a little nudge, that, like, changes it, but in a really interesting way. So tell us what you think it is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Uh, What is the next chapter called? The next chapter is called... I'm so fucking excited for it, because of course I am. The Suburbs of the Dead. Ugh. Oh, my God. What a great band name. Hi, we're oh, Suburbs absolutely. of the Dead and we're here to, like, rock your socks off absolutely. Supported by uh, natural twats. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the spectres of... What was it? Spectres of... Indifference. Indifference, yeah. It'd very much be um, The Cure and... Um, what about Moxie and the Murderers? Can't forget about Moxie that. and the Murderers, yeah. Again, this festival lineup. But yeah, Suburbs of the Dead would be a great band name, I think. Oh yeah, for sure. At the very least, an album name, and it maybe suburbs of the dead would be more like um, like low key, like gothy, but like a little bit techno, but still very goth, like Crystal Castles. Yeah, maybe, but like more like low, low fi, low key. I don't know. We'll see. We'll yeah. see. Tell- yeah. yeah, love it, love it. I'm so excited. It's gonna get so spooky soon. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm very excited. If you want to support the podcast in a way that is super helpful to us, you should think about leaving us a review. And to incentivize that, we are still running our lovely little review giveaway. Still soldiering on, trying to get all those reviews that we need to hit the right things in the charts. The way that you can enter our little giveaway is leave us a review, make it a good one, 
don't bother don't bother sending us a thing if you've left us a shit review because that would be hilarious um <laughs> one star please give me free stuff uh and then take a screenshot of your review and email it to us at her.materialspod at gmail.com that email counts as your entry to a prize draw we'll pull 10 names out of a hat one person will win the full merch sticker pack up to date as to wherever we're at when we reach the end of the draw and the nine people will win some super cool hdm pod bookmarks yeah say nice things give us five stars uh from what I'm, I did do a count recently. I think we're kind, we're like nearly there. So like now's like one of your last calls to get your reviews in. If you can't review us or you don't want to, uh, you can always tell a friend about us. Give us a shout out on social media. Send us an email. We always love when you guys get in touch. It's lovely. And yeah, we have a lot of time do. for all of you. I always get a cute little text from Faye, just like, new review in the inbox. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Help us out, you know. Help help some girls out. Help your gals out. Help your gals out. Leave us a review. Buy some merch. Sign up to our Patreon. They're the three main ways that we like for you to help us. Absolutely. so much for listening to this episode of Herd Art Materials. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at HDMPod and you can email us at herdartmaterialspod at gmail.com. You can also visit our website at hdmpod.co.uk. If you want to support us you can become a patron at patreon.com forward slash hdmpod. We also have a shop where you can buy merch featuring all original artwork from merch. You can find it at hdmpod.co.uk forward slash shop. I'm Faye, and when I'm not talking about gal pals Mary and Natal, you can find me talking about Paramore on my other podcast, Still Into You. You can listen wherever you get your podcasts and find us on Twitter and Instagram at Still Into You Pod. I'm Rach, and when I'm not here chatting about how much Bible stories are really fucked up, then I am making cute and magical arty things. You can find me over on Instagram at RachMakes, on Twitter and TikTok at Rach underscore makes, and over in my online shop, RachMakes.co.uk. Huge thanks as always to Johnny Knott for his musical stylings. And we'll see you in two weeks' time, and don't forget, keep telling stories, and all will be well. regular schedule oh my yes. god we're back bye see you next time for another bye, book bye, 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 bye. chapter bye yeah